Hello and welcome to Say That, the podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the founder of Mission USA. I continue to be under protest. Also joining us, the director of Mission USA Productions, Jed Brewer. Hashtag Leesistance. Thank you very much. It's catching on. Yeah. Mm. We are once again without Lee Younger. He uh, has returned from Young Life Camp, but uh, he's a bit ill, mm. which proves an ongoing theory I have. That the young carry disease. Well, I I believe that is a hundred percent correct. Yeah, it's possible it's that. It's also possible it's another theory I'm just working on in my in my scientific studies, which is that being around too much enthusiasm can damage your immune system. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yes. I thought for a while that was just me, but maybe it's a universal truth. Yeah. So we soldier on in Lee's absence. He will be back next week. Just in time to prepare you for next week, I believe it's Gripesgiving. Mm. Oh. So we'll get into that when uh-huh. we're back at full strength. This week we do have a great show for you. you got some great questions. You met Miss Sarah last week when we did our interview with Ooh. our friends from Toronto. She is back to talk about a super cool ministry she is a part of that works with victims of sex trafficking, people caught in prostitution. It's a ministry so cool that we stood up and said, that's really dang cool. Yep. So uh, whenever something catches our attention, you know it's pretty hardcore. You bet. So we wanted to bring her on and let her tell you about her work with the organization Fight for Freedom. But before all that, I must declare an emergency of opportunity. Whoa. Whoa. As you heard last week, you we uh, answered a question someone wrote in about how uh, Josh Harris, the gentleman who wrote I Kissed Dating Goodbye, has, uh, has recanted as right. an actual human apology. Right. And one of the reasons we, we believe Brother Josh's apology is because he has requested from his publisher that they no longer print that book. Right. Which is a really good thing. Yeah. It's, uh, it's very close to my bar of, I think, if you apologize for something you put out in the world, you should have to give the money back. Yeah. But and this is pretty close to that. Yeah. But it also means there's going to be a little room on the Christian bookshelves. Ooh. Oh. There's, there's, there's relationship dating sections. Right. And I can say goodbye was a big seller. Yeah. A lot of end caps. Is there a gap for your friends at the Say That Podcast? Oh. To get in on that racket. Yeah. Well, I think there definitely must be. Uh, Now, when you say dating relationship, Christian dating relationship book, I I assume, like, I mean, we could do a pagan one. Like, you know, how, how to honor, you know, Thor with your dating or something like that. Well, absolutely. Impress a lady with your knowledge of runes. <laughs> That's right. But here's what I'm saying is... Pagan Cosmo, I think. Right. Really, you know, pick the, the <laughs> druid robe that accentuates your figure. That's right. But yes, yeah, so being yeah. that we're replacing, I yeah. can say to goodbye. Let's stick with Christian. Yeah, yeah. So, so if we're doing the Christian one, uh, you know, what I'm wondering is, do we want to do one that has actual good dating advice... <laughs> Because who knows how much that would sell? Mm. Or do we want to go with just the be afraid of everything because anything you do might destroy another person's entire life? Yeah, that's the good stuff. I mean, I think we can pitch both and see which one test markets better, but I think we know what the answer to that's going to be. Yeah, I think... uh, 
you know, I broke up with someone and they exploded. <laughs> Might be a good title. For I like book, it. You know? I like it. Now, is that the title or are we can we pitch? Maybe we can start with just the the scary kind of, you know, normally on the back of a book, they'll have like a blurb from like, uh-huh. you know, this New York Times best analysis. I read this book because my publisher made me. Right. Have a lot of things to say. But we could have just scary stories on the back. Sure. Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, how, to, how to keep from uh, causing someone to be permanently demented. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. That kind of. Love that crazy. Already. Yeah. I wish I had read this before I, I developed some form of, you know, mental disorder. Yeah. From dating. A love sickness. Oh, yeah. 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 I, I asked a girl to homecoming, but she had already been asked by someone else and said yes to him. And then my chest just caved in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So, it's, you know, it's like true stories of things that, that could happen to you. Sure. You know, that kind of thing. Sure. Absolutely. You know, I asked this gal out and, and then an anvil fell on my head. It could happen. I mean, you see it all the time in cartoons. Yeah. Sure. Those are documentaries. So, right. You know. So you're saying, like, I, I asked a gal out, and we went on a few dates. Then it later turned out she was just a rabbit dressed up as a pretty lady trying right. to fool me. Yeah. Yeah, that kind yeah. of thing. That's that's one of those, like, people need to know about it. We could, we could cross over with the Warner Brothers Corporation. That could mm-hmm. happen. I think, I, well, I think it, a Goosebumps style anthology right. of just scary dating things <laughs> that happens. <laughs> We kissed on the first date, and then my grandmother died. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Are those things unrelated? Maybe, but maybe not. Oh. So yeah, I think what you want to do is you time it for a Halloween release. Sure. You know, that all lines up right there. Sure. Know? Absolutely. You know, maybe it could be like a pop-up book where you flip it and a demon jumps up <laughs> at, at you. You know. Let me. I love where you're going here. Pop up, yes. Let's add to that scratch and sniff. Ooh, this is what I'm talking about. So what? The smell of rejection. Well, we have a few possibilities here, of course. Yeah. So one is the perfume that this temptress wore. Oh, right. So I mean that that's an an obvious extension. Yeah, and you do a little crossover with your Calvin Klein scent. Exactly right. Exactly right. Scent of Jezebel. Exactly right. The the scent of grandma. Ah, right. You know, and grandma's home, who you killed. Right. Right. So you've got that. You've also got, um, you had to console yourself with terrible, terrible Taco Bell after your heart was broken. Right. Scratch here to smell what that Taco Bell smelled like. Ah, Jeb, yeah. that last one seems slightly autobiographical. <laughs> Look, A, yes. B, <laughs> this is a witch hunt. C, most importantly, I'm just bringing up the uh, tie-in possibilities where we get corporate sponsorship. Right. It's the Goosebumps style anthology brought to you by your friends at the Taco Bell Corporation. Wow. I mean, I do think it would be a, a bold new strategy in honest marketing if the slogan was just, aren't you sad, Taco Bell? <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, it would it, that would fit. You'd be like, I am sad. Taco Bell does sound good. Yeah. You know, that kinda... Yeah. No, I think what it is, is it, what you do is you do like your Edgar Allan Poe short stories. Sure, absolutely. Oh. And it's like, in sort of like a Twilight Zone kind of a thing, where it's the story of the boy, and every time he asked a girl out, yes. a bunny rabbit died. That's right. Wow. Yeah, kind of so, a fatal attraction thing you got going. Right, there. it's just you know murdered uh, bunny rabbits everywhere. Yeah, and it's like he wasn't even you know what I mean. He wasn't even paying attention. Yes, like he didn't even think about the consequences. Quoth the Raven, I already have a boyfriend. <laughs> no, 
Well, I think those are those are all really good ideas. I think kind of yeah, a true story anthology of I clearly I died. I write the, yeah. I write this book as a ghost because one person said no to me. Um, obviously, the other thing that made Ica's dating goodbye so so popular is uh, parents were like, exactly. Yeah. So right. you know you got a lot of denominations buying a lot of copies, as we know from other Christian scandals. If you just want to have a church, go ahead and buy. Oh, let's say a quarter million dollars worth of copies of this book. Boom, bestseller. Yeah. So what if we were to market this, this dating book for the youth, but not so much that the youth are going to buy it. Yeah. Right. But the youth pastors are going to buy it. The well-meaning auntie. Right. Is going to buy it for her Christian niece for Christmas. Pretty much ruining Christmas, but not knowing it. Right. Well, now wait a second, fellas. We yeah. got to consider an alternative viewpoint on this. Ah. Okay, now here's what here's what happens. Is like uh cuz we were talking uh on the podcast last week with the uh, four uh, amazing women from Move In. Yes. yes. And these these are are, are uh, younger gals and you know, they're coming into the prime of their life and they're full of passion and all of this. And uh, the subject came up as uh, they and my wife and a couple ladies from the staff were talking about uh, life and things are happening, whatever. The subject came up of men, mm. particularly young men, ah. who need to be asking someone out right now. Right. Okay. And what's the deal and what's wrong with them? Well, a lot of things, really. There, there was, well, that, you know, it was all kind of. Vaguely directed at me, and I felt a little threatened. Okay. Even though they're absolutely right. So here's what happens, okay? <coughs> Given this reality, think of it like this. Like a snake bites you on the ankle. Okay. That's bad, right? Depends on yeah. the snake, but yes. So it's like this This uh, book is like a snake has bit you. Okay. And put its poison inside you. Okay. So what you need is an anti-venom. Ah. See what I'm saying? Yes. You need some crossfire legalism. Ooh, I love Ooh. it. Make them scared to death of not asking somebody out. Sure. See what sure. I'm saying? Because this is the thing. Grandma bought the book, Don't Date Anybody, yes. because she didn't want them having sex. Right, yes. Yep. So then... This person is in their 30s, never had a date, and is freaked out and thinks horrible things, right? right? Well, grandma wants some grandbabies. Right. So, well, that's not happening because yes. we're we're all freaked out. So she, you got to reverse it. Right. 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 I love it. Right. I love where you're going. I think we can combo this. Okay. Because I think the other th- what do we know that old people love more than anything and that's scary ads on daytime TV. Mm, yeah. We're just coming out of an election season here in the United States where, best I can tell, every ad is specifically meant to scare my grandparents. Yes. Right. There's an ad of, the other political party is the reason your grandkids don't call. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You know, pretty much coming out and exactly saying that. So I think we can book some cheap time. Right. Like during your judge shows. Right. Whatever mm-hmm. they like. Yeah. And we just come out. Yeah. So... No grandkids, huh? Right. Grandkids are pretty cute. Just B-roll. Let <laughs> right. me hold up the the Say That Dating Book. Yeah, yes. The shortest path to you and adorable Christian beer babies. There it is. Yeah. Buy it by the case. That, <laughs> that will work. Yeah, actually. Well, I think it was no grandkids. And also, here we work with a lot of pastors. We know numbers are down. Yep. Numbers of youth are down. Yep. 
you know what youth like? The youth of the opposite sex. Right. Church growth strategy. Yeah. Yes. That's what I'm talking about. Do you want to grow this church? You know, you know, do a little, uh, 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 you know what I mean? Social mixer. Yeah. Couple skate your way to church growth. That's what the I'm Say talking that about. guide. Yeah. That Less would... Greek no one cares about. More matchmaking services. Let me tell you what. If if we if we just said if we go into an area where there's Christian ladies, yeah, and we say, you know, hire us like the Ghostbusters, basically, sure, That's Single just, Busters. I have that in my mind, you know. Yeah, you just want to wear a jumpsuit. Well, I I think I'd look snazzy in one. Okay, <laughs> totally agree. And for some reason, sort of the toy gun with it, yeah, you know, somehow. Yeah. You got to accessorize, Glenn. Right. So we go up to Christian dudes, and they're all freaked out from this book. They just right. like any little thing. It's just like you know. Sure. Gonna, see, you 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 point the gun at, but well, it's not a real gun. No, that would be irresponsible. Yes, it looks. It's a cattle prod. It, 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 you know, it looks like what is it? With the rays, you know, with the, the you know, the. Ghost it's called a proton with, pack. I know well, it's called a proton pack, and you're making me say it. <laughs> Nerd alert! Yep. So here's what happens: is you point you point at the the, the toy gun at him and say, if "You don't ask somebody out right now. Yeah, you're gonna get it. Yes, I think we could get hired to do that. I like it. You know, it it solve the problem. Absolutely. Sure. We we through coarse threatening and implied violence uh-huh. create the next generation of church going Christians. We're, you're welcome. In many ways, that's a historically tried and proven method. That's yeah. true. And I think we have the skill set to pull it off. You bet. And on that basis, I declare emergency off. Yeah, that one got went off the rails a little bit. I think yeah. we may have revealed a little bit too much about who we are and what we would actually do, given the uh, right amount of power. Sure. But, you know, it's, it's all in there. What we do now is we put out Bridgebox on a regular basis. Songs sermons, Bible studies, and more that are meant to help you with particular areas of life. This, for the month of November, we're talking all about balance, very important. So you head into final season and the holiday season and all sorts of stuff where balance is going to be very important. You got some songs to encourage you, you got some Bible studies to break down, you got sermons from Glenn and myself, uh, kind of talking a little bit more about what that is and how to do it. If you want to get on board, you can sign up at missionusa.com slash bridgebox. It's only $8 a month. It's a great way to support what we do do up here in Chicago and get some cool stuff for your own walk in the meantime. All right, we're going to jump to our first question here. It comes in anonymously, and it says, I am growing, even though it's a struggle at times. Some of the people who were growing with me are struggling or making bad decisions. I don't want to judge them, but sometimes I feel angry at them because them falling off sometimes makes me feel shaky about how I'm doing. What do I do with this? And it's a great question, and Glenn, where would we start off? Well, first and foremost, uh, we want to tell you that we sympathize with this. This is an incredibly tough thing. Uh, there is uh, uh, no doubt that, you know, feeling as though if I'm on the same path and, and, and I'm leaning on this person and they've been an encouragement to me and I've been an encouragement to them and suddenly they're not there, that can be a real distressing thing. It can be a real freak out. And it's appropriate to feel bad about that. And and so we don't want to paper over that and say, oh, just, you know, well, you know, don't have any feelings, just do the responsible thing. That's that's not the right attitude about this. 
Uh, part of the problem is when we're trying to make big changes, tough changes, uh, stuff that might be ingrained, uh, habits, addictions, etc., uh, there's a part of our brain that is looking for any excuse to jump ship and go back. And that's the main thing that we need to look at here is we need to look at um, because uh, this happened to this person, we need to have it in our minds. Uh, yes, that could be me. Therefore, I need to strengthen what I'm doing here. I, the last thing I need to do is get weak and fall off because I've, I'm going to go down any, any moment now. Uh, one example that I thought of completely on my own and would now like to take credit for is it's like if you had a chair. and This sounds smart. And it, 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 this is actually Matt's point, but it's it, I stole it, so it's mine now. Eh, fair uh, enough. But if you had a chair and you're sitting on the chair and the chair breaks, the next thought in your mind is not or would not be, I need to never sit in a chair again. What you think is, I need to sit in a stronger chair. I need to make sure that this is a strong chair to be sitting on. So that's where we want 100% of our mindset to be on. You know, yes, we do mourn those things. It's important to put this into perspective. God is not ever done with anybody. We we talk about people falling off of their commitments and backsliding and all these different kinds of things, but we have to be careful how we use that language because we can start getting into the mindset of it's like a death or something, or it's like the last chapter in this person's life, or as if they're never going to come back to whatever. It's wrong to think that every person who's doing well now will always be doing well, and it's wrong to think that every person who's doing poorly now will always be doing poorly. We all have ups and downs. That's part of life. That's part of growth. God understands that. We understand that. We want you to understand that. So taking that into account, uh, here's thing number one. Uh, mentors and or you know, sort of elder siblings in the Lord, uh, people who are much further along than you are, uh, that needs to be key to your walk. And that, that, if that's missing now, let's make that a top priority right here and right now. Uh, we, we, we will have peers and people who are, uh, uh, that we're making changes alongside of each other, but uh, there are times when uh, the blind can't lead the blind and they're going to wander into a pit here. So it's about recognizing we need someone who has a deeper understanding, a, a much bigger picture on how to do that. And I don't see that, and especially with young people. They don't do enough of finding someone older than them and finding uh, someone that they feel like they can trust, someone who's earned trust with you, uh, that really gets what's going on, uh, isn't just uh, trying to uh, prescribe stuff to not do and that sort of thing. The final thing I'll say is uh, uh, it's true for people coming out of addiction. It's true for people who want to have a healthy walk with the Lord, you need to think of this as a team sport. Uh, and that means having a team of people around you that support what you're doing. It's about having uh, uh, someone who can coach you in that and give you some guidance and make adjustments to the strategies that you're using. Uh, but it's about developing he healthy routines. It's about developing uh, a healthier lifestyle uh, around healthier people. Uh, but it's it's having that support uh, and seeing this as not just me doing it. You you have to make the choice. You have to get up every day and decide to walk with the Lord and and not walk in the the stuff that you were in before. 
but it's about having that support from the rest of the team so that it's a team victory. That's all really super smart uh, stuff and a great uh, thing to go here. And one of the things about, uh, even if you find someone who is uh, a little bit older but ahead of you, there's probably going to be stuff they do that's slightly disappointing to you. It's not the same as falling off, obviously. And Jed, we, we talked in our last episode, particularly about actually the Joshua Harris thing of there are some uh, important lessons to take away from uh, when things go badly, when things don't work out. Then there are other lessons that aren't really germ- as germane to the situation. Yeah. So th- there's definitely something to be learned when someone falls off, so- sure. someone uh, disappoints you in this way. Um, and th- you're going to have an emotion about that. And there are certain things that are probably important to take from that. But it's not the first blush, as as Will was pointing out. Maybe, well, I, I, we're, I'm probably doomed then, right? Because when they did great, I feel like I was doing great. But this may be a, an important moment to learn something about this larger idea, right? Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Part of what I think is in the question that we've been asked here is comparison. Now, be easy to miss that because normally when you think of comparison, you think of I'm living my life and my friend is living their life and they're doing a lot better than I am. They have stuff that I want. They have relationships that I want, job that I want, and I don't have those things. That makes me feel bad and I'm comparing myself. And we all know that you shouldn't do that. We'll, we'll return to that in a minute because you super shouldn't. But that that's what we think of when we think of comparison. But comparison is also, I see this person doing badly and I'm looking at how they're doing and I'm comparing it to how I'm doing and now I'm afraid and now I'm concerned and whatnot. It's still comparison, and it's it's still a bad idea. Let's look at that for a second. Comparison is one of those things where uh, really pretty much all religion and philosophy and psychology and all informed thought agrees. That's a terrible idea. Don't compare yourself to other people. And um, it's a bad idea. It never works, and it never ends well. It It's... I think we all have the idea, I know I do from time to time, of, no, 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 but this will motivate me. That's what it's going to do for me. It won't. It super won't. Oh, sure, it hasn't worked for everyone else who's ever lived, but I think I'm the exception where I can make this work for me. Absolutely right. Part of the reason why we um, don't want to engage in comparison, there's a lot of reasons for it, but, but one of the reasons is that it's a distraction. Um, there's stuff that we really should pay attention to and we really should be focused on and comparison will keep us from looking at that. I'll give you an example. So as you intentionally cultivate relationships with mentors and, uh, elder siblings in the Lord, as Glenn very wisely suggests, one of the things you want those people to help you uncover is what are your weak spots? What as, you know, people in addiction talk about triggers, you know, and triggers are, are things that strongly tempt you to, to use your drug of choice. But uh, whether you're in addiction or not, we all have weak spots. We all have things that are much more intense temptations for us than, than other things, much more likely to, to get us in a place where we backslide. Do you know what yours are? Because if you don't know what they are, you can't possibly build safeguards against them. But if you know what they are, it, you'd actually be surprised how readily you can build a strategy to at the very least contain those those areas of you know kind of extra strength temptation comparison is going to keep us from looking at our own areas of struggle and our own triggers it's it's definitely going to do that because we're we're distracted we we can't we don't have time in the day to look at all the things that we kind of want to look at so there's an opportunity cost element and comparison really wants all of your uh, thinking time It, it really does the next thing about it that's problematic and it's related is that um, it will try and give you insights that aren't true. 
not only does it keep you from having insights that you need, like about where your problem areas, your weak spots are, it'll try and imply lessons that actually are not true. Uh, give me an example of what I mean. If you go to the gym, you, you like to work out, what you'll notice is there's people there lifting all different kinds and amounts of weight. Now, a smart person would recognize every person here has different genetics. They have different musculature. They have a different structure to their body. They've been doing it for different lengths of time. They're different ages. So, Dead counterpoint. Yeah. You're not better than me. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you've been doing You've been listening for a couple of years and I just got off the couch. You're not better than me. In a sense, that is true. Do you think that maybe you want to prove that by going and lifting right now what I lift? Yep. You might grievously wound yourself by doing that. I think, but I would prove my point. Well, actually, if to you... To me, because I don't really know you. But... <laughs> this, this is the whole thing. It would be a terrible idea to go to the gym and just pick a person at random and say, I'll just do what they do. I just, because A, I'm afraid that they might be better than me and I don't want that to be true. And also, I don't really want to navigate the intricacies of my own body and my own fit. So I'll just, I'll just pick whatever this person does. I'll just do that. Bad idea. Don't do that. But if you can dig it, that's exactly what comparison would have you do. Uh, There are things, I mean, here's the funny thing about physical fitness, but it applies in all kinds of areas. There's stuff where if you train up to it, it's the easiest thing in the world. I mean, it's just not a problem at all. And if you don't, this will permanently injure you. So for person A, it's perfectly safe. It's it's not a care in the world. For person B, this is actively dangerous. You should not do this. But comparison say, jump on in, do what they're doing. It'll probably end great. It looks good for them. What we need again is a mentor in, in the fitness world. That would be a personal trainer, but we need someone who can help us look at the specifics of our situation, the, the intricacies of what we're dealing with. And again, that's areas of struggle, but that's also areas of strength. That's gifts that we have and talents that we have and opportunities that we have that our friends may or may not have and figure out how do we use those in a good way, in a godly way, and in a strategic way. Uh, The more that we, the the Bible in the Message Translation talks about doing the creative best that we can with our own lives. And that's what we want to see you do. That's where the good stuff lies. That's absolutely right. It's it's very important. And as these guys point out, one of the things that, um, another way that people kind of fool themselves into thinking that what's fine for now is doing the comparison thing when people are on the up and doing, well, if so-and-so can do it, then we're all going to get there together. Because as we point out on the show, there's really no such thing as getting there together on the spiritual stuff. I mean, your walk is your walk. It's going to be what it is. And that's not what we mean when we talk about uh, fellowship, when we talk about um, you know having other people in your life. Glyph was talking in the last episode about things being a team sport. That's not, I'm going to be in a, in a place, in a situation where there's just this wave of spiritual growth that is happening that I will just kind of, it'll just carry me when I'm struggling. We, we we're you're meant to be, we're meant to be in community, we're meant to be in fellowship, but that is to strengthen everyone's individual situation. That is not to say we, we are Voltroning together and we'll, we'll just hang out, man, and we'll just do it together. Because there are some things that just can't be done together, and everyone's on their different timetable and on their different journey. So we talk on the show all the time, but we do it, and it is. Fellowship is super important, and mentorship is super important. But that's not so that you have less work to do, and there are times when you can just 
kind of coast and be carried along along by the tide is so that you have a smarter, a more efficient and a kind of a more energy efficient way to do the work you need to do. That's why fellowship is important. That's what we want out of that for you. All right. We're going to take you to our interview with our friend and super fan, Sarah, who's going to talk about the awesome ministry she is doing with Fight for Freedom. It is a very cool ministry. It is a very cool story. I think you're really going to enjoy this chat. We'll take that right now. I'm joined by Sarah Rocha, who is a friend of ours, a podcast super fan, a proud new owner of officially branded Say That Beanie. (laughs) And also going to tell us a little bit about her continuing upcoming work with an amazing organization called Fight for Freedom. So, Sarah, give us the uh, give us the the quick pitch. What is Fight for Freedom? Yes. So, Fight for Freedom is a nonprofit organization started in Canada, Toronto, and we outreach to sex workers and just want to tell them about the love of Jesus. Okay, so sex workers are a big category, and it's kind of something people hear and think, what is Fight for Freedom specifically doing in a ministry context to work with people who are involved in that? Yes, so um, we work with uh, sex workers that want to come out of the industry and uh, specifically trying to um, identify if someone has been sex trafficked as well. And uh, just giving them resources and tools and, and connecting them with other ministries um, and organizations that's able to help them and journey with them to get out of that uh, lifestyle. So maybe we can give a concrete example okay. of, because I know it started off with maybe an idea you got, and who's to say where you got it, of bringing baked goods to a thing. And that probably pretty smart people came up with that and put that out. That you, What do you actually do to connect with those ladies to tell them, to show them that you care and start this process. Yes. So we do go into the strip clubs and uh, we will bake cookies or we'll um, have little gift packages that have like little nail polish or something, something that they would like. Uh, We definitely have to check in with the like house manager first and we have to be in good rapport with him. And when we've given him the cookies, he allows us to go to the change rooms. That's when the girls are more likely to talk and um, when they see the treats and things, they are just so excited and they're like, why are you here? We're like, we just wanted to, yeah, uh, be there, be here for you and uh, God loves you and um, just a simple conversation and, and hopefully that grows into a friendship, which is good. And it, uh, when it does grow into a friendship, when does the, uh, what does it look like? Because obviously these are women who have a lot of just basic life issues they mm-hmm. need to overcome. Yeah. So how does it look to to kind of, do this in a Christian way as you're helping them just get their life back on track. Yes. Uh, so when we do come in, we when we have those little gifts, we do include uh, a little note and we write a little bit about ourselves uh, and they do get used to seeing us so they start knowing our names. So we do include in there like um, a verse or just a word of encouragement. So there's no question they know that we come like we're coming in the name of Jesus so they they're not surprised so they do call us the church girls so we've been deemed that name uh but when we do come in there um I think that we create we have friendships and from those uh that's when they get to ask us uh when we are able to earn the right to be heard um ask us about why we're here and that's when we're able to do the Jesus stuff uh but that's only when they're comfortable like they're not going to ask us if they if they don't want to talk to us it's yeah. very, earning the right to be heard is very important. Mm-hmm. Probably pretty smart guys who came up with that. Yeah. 
concept as well. Um, so that's that's all really amazingly cool. We can't stress enough how much every time Sarah tells us as a staff, or particularly tells Glenn about what she's doing, we all get uh, we all get a very long speech about how it's so cool and why don't you guys do cool things? And then we're like, well, we, we you know jail and stuff. It's like, yeah, I mean it's okay, but it's not quite as cool as what they're doing in Canada. <laughs> What you write about, and there's that's entirely fair. So, what does it look like to get someone out? So once they they the women come out and say yes, we want to leave this this sex trade, um, we are able to connect them. We do a like an assessment first to see um, what are their needs and what do they need. Is it immediate? Is it uh, are they in danger? And that's when we're able to connect them with other um, ministries or organizations. Um, and we do have a survivor care department that is wonderfully growing, and people that are just passionate to journey along with these women, um, so that uh, yeah they can successfully um, come out of this. Uh, I can give you an example. Please do. <laughs> okay, so one of the women that that I, I had been when I started initially volunteering for about two years. Um, after having that friendship and being able to open up about the work that she does, uh, she had been expressing from the very beginning that she's always had a, a dream to be a photographer, but she just hasn't had the opportunity because um, she just this is all she knew, this is all the life that she knew, and all her all the people that she knew was all in the sex work. Um, so we had been encouraging her for like two years, just saying like, if you want to do this, you can totally do that. And uh, and finally, just this year, she was able to ro- enroll into school, and we were so excited, um, and we were over the moon, and we had been praying with her, and she um, tells us that she prays to God and 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 is thankful. And one of the barriers that we had was that she wasn't able to go to school because um, she needed babysitting for a particular night. And she asked us, like she said, I don't trust anyone else. Can you guys can you guys do this? And we said, yes, like if this is like um, if you're able to go to school, like we will happily do that for you. But some people might say that's not ministry. But if it's those people can come down (laughs) to the bridge on any given Tuesday and tell us about how it's not ministry. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, it's just our privilege. Like we're so lucky to be able to do that. And so, yeah, I think it's as Uncle Glenn has said, like it's breaking down the barriers uh, mm-hmm. for them to be able to come closer to Jesus. Yeah, it absolutely is. And that's again, when you get into doing this real work, the least of these, I think when people look at this from the outside, they may think, well, they're the obstacles that would understand your friends. Someone are so massive. They're socioeconomic. They could be addiction related. Yeah. All these things. And there are those big obstacles, but those tend to break down into a bunch of little obstacles. The thing mm. that could stop someone from uh, making a big change in their life could be, I need babysitting on Thursday night and I yeah. don't have it. And that could, if there's not someone there to to address that need, it can really spiral, which I assume is part of why you want to make the switch to working for Fight for Freedom full time. Yes. So you so can excited. do those type of things. So what actual role are you going to, what job are you going to take when you go full time? Yes. So uh, going to full time, I'm really excited. Um, I want to be able to uh, mobilize people and, and gather volunteers. Um, I believe that we have volunteers in over 22 cities of different teams that go to specific um, places that are uh, like strip clubs and massage parlors and um street outreaches. So uh, I want to be able to mobilize people to do that and, and uh, be able to do training and to do outreach. Super cool. So you're in over 20 cities, and that all is that all across Canada? Yes, and and uh, Philippines as well. But wow. we're we're hoping to grow. Very cool. So what? Tell me a little bit about the organization as far as Fight for Freedom. How you got plugged in? What kind of organization it is? Yes. So um, it's about eight years old. It's it pretty new, and that's wow. why wow. Yeah. 20 cities in eight years. Yeah. Um, it had grown from. If you like, guys could stop being better than us, that would make me feel. <laughs> 
pretty good. You're like you came <laughs> on my podcast, and you're like, we're in we're in 22 cities. How many cities are you in? Still just one, but oh. you know, that's okay. I thought Canadians were supposed to be polite. <laughs> Gotcha, yeah. yeah so um we grew from like three staff to like six and now i believe about 14 of us so it is growing and we it, we need to grow uh just because there's so many more volunteers and so much more mobilizing and training uh but i had initially heard about it um i didn't know that there were any efforts actually in toronto uh, and i've always wanted to do it since high school so i always just supported like um international like ijm uh, monetarily but i was like wow there's a it like trafficking is actually happening in our city, like in all these cities. Um, so I was able to learn about it through uh, a friend that knew someone that was doing it in Toronto. That's very cool. And obviously the, the main reason that it's growing so fast is because there's such a need for it because mm. this is, yeah, it is one of those things that can feel like an overwhelming problem. It can feel like something we don't want to look at, but that's why uh, then we support amazing people like Sarah and our friends at Fight for Freedom who are going to, who are do something and doing something about it. So if people want to find out more, is there a website they can check out? Yes, it's fightforfreedom.ca. So the four is the number four. Ah, yeah. fight for the number. And we'll put the, <laughs> the link, obviously, in the episode description. The other thing is that Miss Sarah, because she is going full time, is raising support. Woo! So if there are people listening who, like those of us in this podcast, are going to support Miss Sarah, because we think this work is amazing, and she is amazing. Is there an email address I can reach out? Yes, it's sarah at fightforfreedom.ca. S-A-R-A-H. S-A-R-A-H. I have to rename some files before this episode <laughs> okay. goes live. S-A-R-A-H at fightforfreedom.ca. Sarah, thanks. Okay, that was our talk with Sarah again we could not be more excited for her she moves in the next step of starting to work with fight for freedom we think it's a super cool organization and we'll put some links in the show description if you want to check out what they're doing if they have some stuff going on around you they're all over Canada and uh, there's certainly some ways you can keep up with the story even if you're outside of Canada all right we'll move on to our final question here it comes in anonymously and it says I know the Bible talks about finding favor what does that mean does God have his favorites, or does he see everyone the same? If everyone is equal, then what is his favor? And Jed, where will we start off? Well, those are some deep, insightful theological questions. I don't know. But I have a question back for you, and I think it's the super, super important question, which is, what does God think about you specifically? Um, we can talk about what he may think of people generally, and, and what he has thought of people in the Bible, and that's cool, and that's worth asking. But what does he think about you specifically? And not, what does he think about Christians? Not, what does he think about you? Because I think that's part of what we're wondering about here. And, and I would love to push back. Have you ever asked? Have you, have you asked God what he thinks of you? Because I think you should. And again, I think that we should look for that answer in scriptures. I think that we should look for that in wise counsel from older Christians. And I think we should look for that in the still small voice of the Holy Spirit in prayer. But I think we need to be asking God, what does he think of you? And that's not a one-time thing. I think that's something you should be asking regularly for the rest of your life. How does he see you? At the same time, I want to ask you this. What do you think about you? Because those two things can be very, very different. The view that you have of you and the view that God has of you 
can have a lot of daylight between them. And if we're not clear on the fact that they're different, it's really, really easy for one to get in the way of the other. You talked about in, um, in, you know, in the Bible, God appears to, to have favorites. Well, God definitely had people that he had a very, very important job for. And one of the commonalities that you'll find in the people that God had important jobs for is their view of themselves and God's view of them were very different. Very, very different. Uh, a good example of that is uh, it's one of my favorite things in the Bible, is when God, through the burning bush, calls Moses. He says, I'm, I'm sending you back to the land of Egypt. I'm sending you back to Pharaoh, and I need you to, to talk to him and, and try and get my people freed. And um, Moses says no. And then he says no again, and he says no again. And then he says what may be my absolute favorite verse in the Bible, oh Lord, send someone else. That's just, man, do I love that. But... Moses Moses had a clear sense of, of himself. He was wrong, but he had a clear sense of himself of, I'm the dude that, that uh, herds sheep on a mountainside. I, I'm not good at talking. I don't particularly want to lead people. That's not, send somebody else. Says, um, I'm not the right guy for this. And the funny thing is, even though he was wrong, it was actually important for him to be clear on how he felt so that he could know that God had a different opinion. I think one of the things that we see a lot with Christians is, here's a phrase that I hear a lot, which is actually, it's a cool phrase, but it it, it kind of misses something, is, I just want to submit myself to God's will. I, I just want God's will to be done over my own. Okay, well, that's that's cool, and that's, that's, a, a, that's a, a good desire and a righteous desire, but here's the thing about submitting your will is, you kind of can't submit your will to God if you're not clear on what your will is. Like, it would be hard to give away something you're not aware you have. That That's not really a gift. I think that might just be losing something unintentionally. Um, and it's very difficult to say, Lord, I want your will to be done instead of my will, if you're not clear on what your will is, if you're, if you're not clear on your own desires. If you look at Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is clear on what he wants to see happen. Not this. Not this. But then, having clearly articulated that, he says, okay, but Lord, not what I want to happen, but what you want to have happen. That's that's what it needs to be here. But we did have to articulate how Jesus felt before we could do that. What's well, the same thing here is when we look at the idea of, you know, what does God think of me? We also need to be clear on what you think of you. And that's the good, the bad, and the ugly. You having a clear sense of the kind of person that you are and talking that through with God and letting that be a conversation, I think, is really critical to developing your faith and your walk and developing into the person that God made you to be, the person that he created you to be. Yes, we do. It's good to understand what God thinks about various people in the Bible and what God thinks about Christians generally and and the concepts of favor and whatnot. But what we really want to get into is what God thinks about you specifically. That's a question you should be asking regularly. It's a conversation that's worth having. It definitely is. And Glenn, one of the things that I think might inform finding the right and healthy answer to that is uh, so understanding some some basic ideas and concepts here as they relate to to God, and one is this idea, and it's a very honest question. I appreciate that. Friend says, if everyone is equal, then how can some people have favor? Right. And I think the way we think about ideas like favorite and equality have to be a little. Our definitions have to be expanded a little bit when we're applying those to an infinite being. 
Right. So how does that apply to what we're dealing with here? Well, uh, the, the, the people that work for me uh, will, will all tell you the same story is that at various times I come up to them, give them a big hug and, and whisper very loudly, you're my favorite, don't tell the others. Sometimes that is said in a group text that we are all on. <laughs> Tasha's right. my favorite. Don't tell everyone I said that. That's right. Well, you know, part of that is, uh, you know, we do have this sense within us of, uh, you know, that there must be some form of ranking in mm. in God's kingdom and that sort of thing. Uh, and I don't like that idea of equal. That's not a word I like to contemplate, because if God loves everybody equally, that kind of, to me, implies something that's that's sort of passive, and sort of a one-size-fits-all, and vague, and diffused, you know, he just, he just, he, it's, it, it doesn't at all acknowledge some uniqueness here. Uh, and I think this is a thing that we have to get our minds around, is uh, God's love for each person is unique because the person is unique. That doesn't mean that it's less. It just means that when you love one person, you love them in a certain sort of way because they are a certain person. Uh, they, there, there are things that you like about them. There are things that you admire and things that, you, that inspire you and, and what have you. There are things that frustrate you as well and all those kinds of things. Uh, it's the same thing in God's relationship with us. They're all different because they're they're because we're all different. Does that mean there's more with some and less with others? I don't know. As Jed said, I have no way of knowing that. I'm not comfortable with the idea of thinking about it. Uh, both because again, it gets us into this comparison thing that we've been talking about lately. But it's also getting us into this idea that um, that uh, you know that maybe I have sort of a second rate love from God like there's like real love love and then there's just he's putting up with me kind of love that he gives me because I'm worse than these other people here's what you need to know even if there was some form of gradations of God's love, you would not be able to wrap your mind around the level of love that God has for you. You are not a, your human brain is not able to take in how much love God has for the lowest person on earth. It's just not within the realm of possibility for a human mind to understand those things. Uh, so off of that, uh, we have this idea of favor and. I think a, uh, when people say favor, I think part of what they're thinking is God really likes me, and then the other thing that goes with that is God really wants to hook me up because I have found favor with the Lord, so I will have certain blessings, I'll have certain resources, you know, I'll get the job, I'll get the girl, I'll do whatever the thing is. Uh, here's the thing about that. Uh, uh, and, and about God's blessings in general. God's blessings don't do any good for you unless you're in motion. Uh, if you, if let's say uh, God gives you enough money to uh, buy a plane ticket to get to the place where he's calling you to be a missionary, 
if you don't buy the plane ticket with that money, anything and everything else you do with that money is a sin and a waste. You you haven't been blessed at all. It's become a curse to you because you had that money and you wanted to use it for something else and you used it for something else. It was just it was just a, a means to do a, a, a negative thing and a sinful thing. So that wasn't a blessing. That wasn't favor to you at all. It became it becomes favor when we take those resources and put them where God wants us to put them. So that really the idea of stepping out in faith and walking that path and the favor are all one thing. It, we we tend to think of this, and we almost can't get our minds out of the thinking of I do good, then he hooks me up. You know that kind of it's a it's always this economy. It's always a tit for tat. Whereas it makes more sense if this is a love based relationship that he says, "I love my child. I want, and I'm calling my child to do a thing." If that person steps out and does that thing, well, of course he's going to put the resources in place to make that happen. It just you know we don't have to wonder about whether that's going to take place. Those of us on this podcast who have stepped forward and and fulfilled their calling can tell you the resources are there. Uh, they can also say, unfortunately, there's not often a lot of extra resources to do a little uh, you know a little monkey around with, which would be nice. But, a little bonus resource. Doesn't sound like too much to ask. That's right. But if you're looking at, you know, does God want to bless me less because I'm not as cool as these other Christians and I'm not whatever it is, all that's out of bounds. God loves you as you are right now as much as he ever will. There is nothing you can do to change his mind into loving you more. Anything and everything you do, He's already seen it. He already knows all about it. He knows you. He loves you the way you are. You have to wrap your mind around that before we move forward. And it's important to recognize that that love is beyond your power to to fully take in. It is that big. I think that's a really great point. I love that idea of kind of we have to think through what favor actually would mean um, because I have an idea of what I think it would be like to be one of God's favored. And it looks easy. And really cushy, and kind of everything's on rails. Then you read the Bible, and anyone in the Old Testament who is described as having found God's favor really has a rough go of it. Your Jacobs and your uh, the uh, aforementioned Moses and people who find favor in God's eyes, eh, favor doesn't look like favor sometimes. So there is a certain kind of uh, be wary of what you're you're asking for on some of this. You're saying I want to, you know, I want to be uh, in a super special level, as, as Glenn's pointing out, there's not really a thing that exists, but there's kind of an almost version of that of people who really kind of get a big calling and go for it. Very little of that looks like sitting around going, well, I feel like this has all gone off quite well. Yeah. So it's, it's, a, it's a great thing to, to think about, but it is also one of those things where, and it's funny, there's not a lot of this in Christian culture. Um, we ask questions to get answers to them. This is the idea. There's a lot of, of ink that gets spilled on stuff. That's just kind of generally philosophizing and the idea of, well, what could it possibly mean to find favor with God? Well, eternal life in paradise looks a lot like favor to me. Yeah. So maybe part of the answer is here is you got it. So what are you going to do with it? That's pretty, that's an important question and something to think about, but 
I think there are some some the Christian cultures we point out sometimes is overly intellectual and overly uh, philosophical in a way of what if you again if you read the Bible is a pretty nuts and bolts way of living. Let's describe you know live a quiet life, work with your hands, love your neighbors. There's not a lot of high mindedness in the New Testament, really, really. When you get down to it, it's this idea of what could it possibly mean. Look for a simple answer, which is God wants good stuff for you, which he does, and then find a way to go out and do that. And I think you'll find a much happier existence than kind of the the anxiety that comes with thinking through the big questions. All right, I want to thank Miss Sarah once again from Ooh. Fight for Freedom in Toronto. Very cool story. Once again, we're going to have the Lee song now. I warn the people. That we're getting ready to transition into the holiday season. Mm. Yeah. And we're going to have a bad attitude about that. Definitely. But we do have many wonderful Christmas songs. Uh-huh. And if what, you say so. But the thing about Christmas is, is it encroaches. You know, it gets earlier and earlier. But people might say, well, what are you going to do? There's no such thing as a Thanksgiving song. Ooh. And I would mm. say to them, oh, how wrong you are, your mm. listener. We've only got the one, but it is uh, by Lee. So we'll get you a little extra Lee Younger this week's episode. This is a song by Lee. It came out a few months ago called Thank Harder. Aha. Mm. Thanksgiving song. Take out that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. To say that podcast, we are fully prepared to force people to date you at Toy Gunpoint. Thank Harder. Well, I lost a job and I lost a tooth. I've been in cuffs from the sins of my youth. Well, I bounced a check like a basketball. In a case that ain't clear, that means repeatedly, y'all. But I'm giving thanks for what I've got. I'm giving thanks for what I'm not. Yeah, all them dumb ideas I tried to do. Some words that left my granny displeased. But at my worst, with no hope to see, I saw that Jesus was still with me. And I'm giving thanks for what I've got. I'm giving thanks for what I'm not. Yeah, all them dumb ideas I tried to be. that stone.